0: Well, good morning. Yeah, bring it. Okay, man, I came to the right place. You know, (laughs) talking about um, the right people in this room. Talking about bringing it. uh, Many of you, you kind of did not listen to any of the warnings not to drive this weekend. You are, you guys are all rebellious. You know, so I'm kind of, I'm probably preaching to the wrong crowd here. You know, because yeah, nothing's going to keep you from worshiping the Lord, right? And I do have a word to bring you this morning. You excited? (laughs) <laughs> you are excited, man. Amen. Well, then you open up the word. Let's get just jump right into it. We're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 47. So if you want to dive right in, um, I'm, I am believing that I, I do have a word for you. And so for those of you who are online, um, it's not too late. You can still come down. You got a sense. There's something about being in the presence of the Lord, but being amongst the church. Amen. And the church is not the building, it's the people. And so I want to challenge you, you know, um, do your best to... We appreciate online, I mean, it is an option, it's an alternative, but there's nothing about being in the presence of the Lord as we encourage each other, so come on down, 1045, it's not too late, because we got some good things the Lord wants to do in our hearts, and um, and this morning, Um, I really appreciated Pastor Paul's message last week, and uh, I don't know about you, I've been spending more time in my prayer closet this week. You know, and um, we always talk about it is living. You know, the, the the word of God is living in this relationship that we want to have. It is a relationship with Jesus, and, um, and as we encounter, and I want to invite you. By the way, um, Pastor Paul talked about our prayer closet last week, but um, we also have a corporate prayer meeting that you all can come and be a part of. Um, in fact, it's been growing. It's been good. Um, It's kind of a charge for our services, and we pray every Sunday morning, starting at eight thirty, just a quick minute ten. But there's some been some powerful times in our prayer meetings, and you can be a part of that. Pastor Rick mentions about several words and visions, and last week Pastor Carol gave a word um, about she had this vision, and it it was uh, of us praying, and um, our hands were, you know, opened. And out of the hands were flowing this living water. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I put it in the chat, wow, you know. Um, yeah, so it was this, 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 this vision. And um, I got to be honest, I got all giddy, you know, I, because I knew that the word the Lord has for us. That was a confirmation about the word I, the Lord's bringing us this morning from Ezekiel 47 because it's a very similar um, vision that Ezekiel had. The Lord took him. And so um, are you excited about reading it? Yeah, I think so. Let me just read through it. We're going to read the first 12 verses, so follow along, and I'll try not to walk around so much. I make, I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm a walker. They go, Pastor Joe, you're all over the place, you know? And so, um, yeah, we're, today it's about being a little uncomfortable. So you be uncomfortable, right, in the uncomfortable, any kind of the direction we're going. So there we go, Ezekiel 47. It says, then he, he brought, and we're talking about you know bringing Ezekiel, brought me back to the door of the temple. And there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by the north gate, and he led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side, and when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1000 cubits and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles again. He measured 1000 and he brought me through the waters. Water came up to my knees again, measured 1000 and brought me through the water came up to my waist again. He measured 1000 and it was a river that I could not cross. For the water was too deep, water in which one must swim. A river that cannot be crossed, he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned to me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there, along with the bank of the river, were very many trees on one side and the other. And then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because of these waters, for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from the Engedi to Englehem, and there will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds of the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and Martians will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their waters flow from the sanctuary. There will be fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Talking about a river. You know, you can see the, the vision. Of course, we're talking about that river it is. It is Jesus, and we're going to talk and get it deeper how this, this vision has implications not only for them, but for us as well, and obviously for the coming of the Lord. You read about that in Revelation 22 about this river, and of course, we talked about how the prayer meeting, we're praying, and, and Pastor Kier, how this vision of, you know, of us praying with, you know, are doing our part, but what is the testimony is not only what we do, but what is most glorious is what the rivers of life do. You see, all of us, we, in essence, we bring something in our prayer closets. We come and we worship. But what we're going to talk about is what that river is. It is the overwhelming only what God can do. Only what God can do. You know, in our sanctuary, it says that over there, you know, that's from Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, God has always been calling his people to trust in him. God has always been calling people to be fully dependent on him. You know, um, I almost changed my whole message this morning because um, I was out, had a plan yesterday morning just to get a, I love to cycle. You know, I do cycling and I just want to get a quick little ride in. You know, I put my buds in and I bring my Bible and I bring, actually I put my coffee cup on my bike because it's, it's really, if, you, if you're riding with me, it's more about the coffee than the actual writing. And so I had my little morning quiet time preparing for Sunday morning, and it was just going to be my time with the Lord. And I'm going and I'm riding. Dino knows. He's been on a ride with me before. And, um, and so I'm, I'm riding, and all of a sudden, this guy comes up on me, and he starts riding with me. And we get to chat and talking. And, um, and, he, and he's talking about where he's going. And he invited me to come along to go ride with him. And we're kinda of going the same direction. And then sure enough, my um, coffee time, I go, hey, I, I'm gonna stop for coffee right He goes, oh no, you gotta keep going with me. I wanna show you some new routes. I go, I don't wanna see new routes. You know, you gotta trust me, trust me. And I go, I just wanna go on a short ride today. He goes, oh no, he goes, you gotta, I gotta, you gotta experience this. And I said, okay, because that's, that's the same area. So we keep riding. And he goes, I go, how much further is this gonna be? Oh, not further along, you'll be just fine. So he's taking me along, and then we're making more turns and more turns. I go, hey, when are we gonna turn up? He goes, Oh, a few more miles. You know, and so all I go, oh man, I'm in for it, you know. And then and I'm telling him about you know my coffee and my experiences. Oh no, coffee's for after the ride, you know? And so I go, oh man, what am I getting into? You know, and so I haven't ridden a long ride for a long time. And he's telling me his stories, I'm telling him my stories. And we are, we're going into these areas down the street. He goes, can you believe this? I go, I know. I love it out here. we right Irvine. Yes, it was a beautiful day. Apart from the warning, it was a beautiful day. And so we're out riding, enjoying our time. And, but then the ride, I already surpassed my little 25-mile ride, you know. And I go, um, how much further is this going to be? He goes, just a little bit further, you know. And so now we're climbing up these hills. Go, go up Orchard Hills. I got to see the orchards. I go, okay. I go, is this going to get us back to where we need to be? I said, I got to get home. I got to preach tomorrow. And by then, a couple hours have gone by. He knew I was the pastor, and we're talking about the Lord, and, and we're just encouraging each other. And so Ed, Ed was going to be watching. He's going to come by today, but he's got another race today. This guy's all about cycling. And so um, we get up there, and then I go, Ed, man, I don't know if I can, I can you're, you're doing just fine. And I go, well, where is this, this going? You're going to get back there. I go, Ed, we're going right back to the same street we can. They go, yeah, it's just a little loop that takes us around. And I go, he goes, yeah, I'm training for a century next weekend. I need to get the miles in. I go, I'm not. <laughs> I go, I'm just here, I'm just here. I, I, I'm supposed to be. And I, you know it's so amazing. I even put my fishing pole, because I stop at a pond. And I'm, I know I'm terrible. And he goes, oh no. He goes, he goes, listen, I, I told my message about being uncomfortable in the in the comfortable. Sometimes God leads you, you don't know where you're going. And he goes, hey, do you trust me? I go, I think so. I think so. <laughs> and he goes, you know what? He says, Pastor Joe, he goes, Sometimes you just got to enjoy the ride. And I go, you should be preaching tomorrow. You know? And you know what? It was a glorious ride. You know, I, I'd think, I didn't think these old ladies have it in me. I ended up putting in like 45 miles yesterday. And um, yeah, and I, was like, and I was like, I was like, loving it. You know what? I would have never, ever experienced that had not been for, you know, Ed, you know, challenge me. You know, I might have missed out on my cup of coffee, I did make coffee after, (laughs) you know what I mean? But sometimes we're so consumed about being comfortable, you know, that we miss out on. And that's what's so amazing about this word that we have here about where God's calling us. You know, when Ezekiel got that vision, by the way, he was in captivity. He was in Babylon. He was exiled. And then God gives him this vision about going back to the temple. You know, God's always... Calling us to do things that are makes us uncomfortable. I mean, think about it. He asked him to, "Hey, why don't you come up and walk on some water?" <laughs> okay, you know, calling people to pray for the blind, the blind will see. You know, God, God is, He's He's in the. He, if you're in an uncomfortable place, most likely you're right where the Lord wants you to be, right? Because you got to trust. You got to trust in the Lord. I mean, think about it. God says, "Listen, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves." What kind of good shepherd would send you out as sheep amongst wolves? He knows what he's kind of like, I think that's kind of like an Ed story, right? I'm sending out a sheep amongst wolves, but he is the good shepherd. He knows what he's doing. Maybe you say, I'm not sure if I'm glad I went to church this morning, but you're okay. you know, Because this is a, a pretty wild vision. That Ezekiel gives him. He says he's because when it comes to the temple, that's the central of all everything about Israel at the time and, and God's people was all about going to the temple. And if you read the Psalms, the Psalms of Ascent, everything's about going to the temple. So you have this vision where he sees, not, he's, as he's going to the temple, there's this water flowing out of the temple. We just read it. So they're all all focusing on the temple, and then out of the temple, the water's going out. In fact, the further it gets away from the temple, the bigger the river gets. And that would would have, first of all, turned their world upside down because there's really no river. (laughs) He sees a river that really doesn't even exist. But isn't that the Lord? You know, sometimes He turns what you believe to be natural upside down. You know, He says what you don't think is possible is possible. And so he sees, he's prophesying about this, obviously about the coming of the Lord. And it's, it's very obvious that this word that Ezekiel had, it was not only for them being exiled in Babylon, but it's also for, there's prophetic implications for us. Because you read about, even John has a vision about the, the Lord coming back. And I don't know about you, and this, this river that, that it comes back, not only does it expand the further it gets away from the temple, but then what does it do? It reaches all the way down to what was the Dead Sea. Now, I've actually been to the Dead Sea in Israel. And I had some pictures. I was hoping to get them to you. In fact, it's me and Pastor Carol and Pastor Rick, and we're all floating in the Dead Sea. You might have seen them. And you're just sitting there. We're all chilling in the, the river, and our feet are up. And there's so much salt. You're so buoyant. You, in fact, I try to dive deeper, and it's impossible. And you pop right up, you know, and um, nothing can grow there because of the saltiness. I mean, if you put your, if you get the water in your eyes, you think the ocean here makes your eyes burn, it will burn, you know, because nothing can live. Although if you're into exfoliating, you can buy their products. It's great for the skin. You know, people get the mud, they get in there and they get all in, they love that aspect of the, of the Dead Sea because it had a lot of good things. But um, you get this imagery that as soon as these waters touch it, it brings life, it brings life, this water. I mean, Jesus, when he encounters a Samaritan woman, he offers her this as living water, right? This, this water, he says, listen, you're looking for something natural. I'm talking about something supernatural. And he says that, listen, the water I'm going to give you, out of its heart will be living water. So you got this, this vision, and obviously it's the vision of the kingdom advancing. It's this movement. You know, this water, that as, the, as obviously as it flows from the temple, the further it goes, it's going to expand, and this, it's going to reach the, the, the whole world. You know, how many people know that God doesn't want us to be stagnant? You know, the imagery in the scriptures are always talking about something that is moving, you know, something that is moving. I want you to keep your, keep your whatever, your finger on, e, on Ezekiel 47 and turn over maybe to Acts chapter 11 real quick. Because we're going to see how now, how God continues to move. But this time, he's not using the imagery of water, but he's talking about wind. You know, how many people know that we are considered to be, you know, Pentecostals, where we are people who move in the gifts, right? That we, we, we consider the people who move in the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And now we're in, in Acts, and it's a movement of the Holy Spirit, and it says that the Holy Spirit is like what? Not water. I tricked you. <laughs> Pastor Joe, that's Pastor Joe. You're talking, now you're talking about water? Now you're talking about, it's not water, it's wind, right? Another imagery, you go from water to wind, he says, and he said, the Bible says that when the wind comes, you don't even know where it's going." You know, whenever I want to know, whenever I look at the winds, for me, the first thing I do I check my Surfline app, right? Because depending on where the wind is, is how good the waves are going to be. And if the winds are going in the right direction, I gotta get I gotta get to the beach somehow. I gotta get on some waves. But you know, and the Bible says that God is like it's like the Holy Spirit. He, he wherever He's blowing. You want to catch that wind. God is a master of movement. He's always wanting to move. Remember, he says, God says, come and what? Follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Notice he doesn't say, I'm going to tell you where to go fishing. We're just going to go fishing. When he talked to Abraham, he told Abraham to go. And then he said, God, where are we going? No, he says, I just want you to follow me. And he says when he went to call him out, he says he went out going, not knowing exactly where he was going. See, we're always a people of movement. Always people moving somewhere, going somewhere. Sometimes we're not clear where we're going, but God is, he's definitely on the move. You know, before we were called Christians, we were called people of the way. People of the way. You know, I, I don't know about you, you might get hooked into a TV series. And you're always wondering what's going to happen next, right? You can kind of maybe figure out whatever you want to know. What you're not sure, but you want to know what's happening next, you know. And that's what God does with us, you know. God, what are you going to be doing next? And this whole idea of not being sure or not comfortable in the unknown, it makes it really difficult for people who are westerners, because people are westerners. People here, um, we. We want to know where we're going. We like to have things all planned out and figured out. And we get uncomfortable when we don't know where we're going. That's why Vanilla Ice and his, you know, I, I got a Vanilla Ice quote, right? You know, you know, I think Pastor Cindy might appreciate this quote, you know, because uh, he goes, Vanilla Ice says, ding, 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 ding. Anybody else want to help me out here? No. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, yo, if there's a problem, yo, I'll what? I'll... Okay, there you go. Yeah, this, this, I, got, I got their attention over here, right? And if you're not a Vanilla Ice fan, yeah, he's got a, a deep, deep quote. And he goes, if you've got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out my, no, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Okay, I, I can start doing that, but I won't, you know? But um, that's what the Holy Spirit wants people to do, is not to trust in the wisdom of men, but trust in the wisdom of who? Of the Lord. And many of us, we put our hope, we put our trust, we put it in the wrong place. You know, coaches say it all the time. You know, he wants people that are, you know, about their athletes. You know, they said, oh, yeah, and he was the best kid to coach. You know, my son, he's been um, playing sports, and one of his coaches said, listen, if you can just listen to what I'm telling you, you know, if you can listen, I want you to, forget, he goes to this, I want you to forget whatever you've been told in the past. If you can listen to me and trust me where we're going, you're going to be just fine. You know? and i think it's a word for many of you. You know, if you can really trust in the Lord, you know, that's why the bible says that whoever's fit for the kingdom, you can't you got to put your hands on the plow. If you look back, you're not fit. You got to look what? Forward. Can we look forward this morning? Can we can we, can we stop looking behind? Cuz you're going to be just fine. You know, i had this group back at, i don't know what I, i'm a music guy, guys. But I had this Christian group, you know, Pastor Scott, called Jars of Clay. You know, you guys remember that? And it's based on, God says that, listen, he, God says, I'm the potter, and, we are, and he, we are the clay, right? And he says that when you put me on wet clay, and, he, and, and Isaiah says, now, oh, Lord, you are the Father, we are the clay, and, and you are a potter, we are all the work of whose hand? Your hand. See, many of you, you want to be a, you wanna, you're the in-charge person. You've got to be in charge. You're control feet. Don't put your hand up, okay? You're you're the control freak. Some of us, you know, you say, you know what? I want to be in charge. I'm not going to put my trust in the Lord. I'm not going to identify this. If you want to do that, go for it. But if you want him to be in charge, I would say go for it. You know, I would say go for it. Enjoy that ride. But if you're in the middle, I would say it wouldn't go well for you. Because in Ezekiel we read about this river. And then in Acts, we read about a movement, but it's the movement of the Holy Spirit. It's a movement of the Holy Spirit of wind. And what's happening in the book of Acts, just like in Ezekiel, they were in exile because of what's happening in Babylon, right? They were removed from their land. But in the book of Acts, they're being persecuted. The church is being Persecuted. And as the as the church is being persecuted, if you continue to read the, the book, the church doesn't crumble. What does the church do? It starts to grow. It starts to expand. And these people were being persecuted, and then instead of like staying stagnant, they started believing. They started coming to the Lord. They started trusting in the Lord. You know, I think there's could be a new TV series called The Apostles on Trial. <laughs> Notice what we read in, in Acts chapter 5, by the way. It talks about what's taking place as the Holy Spirit's moving, as the church is being birthed. In verse 29, it says, Peter and the other apostles says, We ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted in his right hand to be the prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And then in verse 32, it says, we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given us to those who obey him. You know, in the midst of the persecution, the people started to believe. And not only did they believe in Israel, the 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 gospel is going forward, and the Bible says that they were starting to believe in other regions of the land, as far as Antioch. The gospel is spreading, and it's going as far as Antioch. And the further it gets away from Israel, the further it gets away from the temple, it's exploding as if it's spreading along the world. It's like a river. It's like a river that, as the church is growing, it's it, the further it gets a, away. It's like there's dead people coming to life. Not only are the Jews coming to the Lord, it says, as we read about it, but also the Greeks. There's people that were running from God are now running to God. There's people that are responding. It's like Ezekiel 47 is happening, and it's not just a little trickle. And they said, listen... Barnabas, you need to go check this out. They're getting testimonies of God doing great things in lands that were dead. And so in Acts chapter 11, they sent Barnabas. Barnabas, I need you to go confirm if if this is really, really happening, if God is bringing revival to the land. And so in Acts chapter 11, they send Barnabas to go check it out. And as this says in uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 22, it says, the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And he sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came, he seen the grace of God. Everybody say, seen the grace of God. Amen. And it says that he was glad and he encouraged them all oh, that with the purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. Other translations say that Barnabas marveled. Because many in the reason why Antioch was a big deal is because in Antioch you not only have the Jews you have the Jews and the Gentiles. You know he was a, he wanted to check out the the legitimacy. In Antioch it was more like almost like Rome. It was the it was a very well off city. It was a port city, because not only did Antioch have the influence of just the Jewish people but it was responsible for, the, it was like a shipping town. And it would reach to Arabia, it would reach to China, it would reach to India, to Babylonia, obviously to Rome. And the splendor of Antioch was, wait a minute, if the gospel is going to Antioch, this is going worldwide. I mean, that's where you have the Orients. People would come. There was, there was, it was a extremely wealthy community. And now they say, now nah, the Greeks different cultures, and it says that he saw the grace of God. He says, this is only something God can do, and he was glad. It was like people were um, It's like something that was hidden was being revealed. It was in plain sight, and what did he see? Barnabas saw the persecution of the church of more and more people coming to the Lord. He saw this fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He witnessed people experience miracles, people are being healed. You see, it's one thing to know all about the grace of God. It's a whole nother difference than actually living in it. They've studied it. They've heard the prophecies. And there's a difference. There's a difference. You know, we are a family. Whenever we, if you follow me on social media, or if you see any of my pictures, whenever our family gets together, I get accused of all times. He goes, Pastor Joe, whenever your family gets together, you're always by some body of water. You know, you always find us, we love, I love rivers and streams, and many times uh, when we go on vacation, especially we love going to Yosemite, we do that often, and we go to the Merced River, and for me, you know, it flows through the valley, it's not good enough for me to look at it, I can't even be by it, at some point in time, I'm going to be jumping in it, you know, I just love floating in it, there's nothing, nothing. depending on the time of the year, I invite the whole family, and depending on what time of year it is, they'll get in, they won't, but you got to experience it. It could be on Big Sur. It could be in the ocean. It's different. The healing waters. You know, right now there's this cold plunge thing's a big deal. You know, everybody's about taking cold showers and having a cold plunge. And Pastor Paul's a big cold plunger. He's got the Home Depot way to make a cold plunger if you want, if you're interested. You know, but they they, they talk about how it can burn calories, and can do all these healthy things. You see Barnabas. He just didn't see, he, he didn't just see it, he experienced it. He saw the grace, the joy, the forgiveness of sin. And so it's a big reality of being next to the river and being in it. And I'm praying this morning that we'd be a people who will live in it. Not just study it, not just understand it, but live in it. And so I want to close with this, is how do you. How do you live in the river? How do you experience it? What's the deep what deep theological truth? What's the key to unlock living in the river? Well, it's very simple. It's like what I do with my kids. Hey, who wants to join me in the river? Do you want to jump in? You need a volunteer. You need someone to say yes. It's simple obe- obedience. So do I have a volunteer this morning? Anybody want to live in the river this morning, right? You know, not too many, but I do have one. You know, I want to have Michael coming up. Michael's going to be my volunteer. He's, he's trying to run, right? So Michael's coming up. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're, he must, he must be, man, he come with no shoes. I don't know where that came from, but, uh, but he must be, he has to be onto something this morning because, you know, um, you know, when it comes to people, there's a lot of people who never get in the river. What are you, What are you doing? You're bringing towels? This is a different level of obedience, you know, right here. Because um, th- this is not what I was expected. <laughs> but it's the expectation I think all of us need to have. I love how Michael was ready just to kind of like get on in. There was no hesitation. He even brought towels with him. Maybe he knew that I was going to talk about, I don't know what, he's th- what I'm talking about, but what I have in my hand is this Poland spring water. Someone gave this to me. I've never had it before, but I've been reading about it. And this, I need. probably should have brought my glasses with me as well. But this thing is sourced in Maine. It's from the evergreen spring. Um, It actually is pierced up and it's um, a garden spring. It's a Poland spring, from Poland. It's got white cedar spring. Wow, that must be different, you ever heard of that one? Bradbury spring, all these springs and this thing, it says, hydrate your way to more rewards. Who wants more rewards in your life, right? And so you, you see this here and it says rewards, it's got a little QR code. And so, I mean, this is some life-giving water, right? And I can sell you this water. Am I get, doing a pretty good job right now? You know, and that's all fine, but it's one thing to experience it than to actually, would you, would you like some? Sure. How about all of it there, man? You know, how would you like all of it there, right? <laughs> You can do more. <laughs> you can do more, right? Is it evident that, you know, Michael has experienced the water? Yeah. In fact, not only that, it shows. There's evidence, right? You all don't know what he's experiencing right now. And not only that, the closer I get to him, I'm going to experience them too, right? I might not need a, I don't need a full towel. No, 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 no. no. I think it's time for sometimes is that we don't start just talking about but giving the church an invitation to come in i really believe that's the rule of the church's body you know barnabas says what because there's certain things being in there is only god can do and many of you you're you're stagnant you know it's been a while since you've taken a drink maybe for whatever reason but you, 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 you don't even need towels man you know you know, you can go. Ahead. Thank, thank you. Can we give Michael some love and tell him thank you for that? You know. You know the opposite of um, of being humble, because I love how um, he was humble. You're okay, Dan. Look at you guys; are all concerned about the water. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna live in it. <laughs> you know, but you know the opposite of being humble is pride. It's pride. People says, you know what? I got it all figured out. You know, I don't need to yield. I don't need to be obedient. You know, some of us, we don't, we don't enter in like Michael with the <laughs> shoes off and the, the towel and no. In like fact, when I invite my family up, Carolyn, she's a slow enterer. When I invite her into the river over Yosemite, she'll, put, she'll, she'll stand there for a while. You know, and then she, she slowly enters. She'll put her foot in. You know, some of you, they say, get into the, get into the pool, it's nice and warm. Some, who jumps right in, but who's a slow, who jumps right in when we jump in the swimming pool, okay? Who says, who's, who's, who's going to put the feet in first, right? You test the water, right? You say, oh, that's too cold. And then you torture yourself for the next 20 minutes, you know? You know, all of us are different, you know, but the invitation is there. The invitation is there. God's calling you. You know, someday the Bible says this water is going to be poured over all flesh. And you will yield. And you will say yes. But some of us will simply say no. We'll say no. Some of us, we're going to say, no, that water's not for me. I'm too busy. It's too cold. I don't feel comfortable. And what the Lord wants to do. Pe- Peter didn't know that he had the grace to walk on water until he what, walked on the water. See, obedience flows from a humble heart. You know, it's not about your comfort; it's about the grace of God living in your water. You know, many times when we take our young adults up to Lake Mead, one of the things we do is we invite them. We do some cliff jumping. And it's always a big testimony of of the of the week, or sometimes for the years. Some people go to camp for a few years. And then they've never, because they weren't, over, it's about overcoming their fears. And then they think about, it's kind of, it's, it's a weird phenomena. And it, when they know it's their last camp, they go, I got to jump off the cliff this year. Right? And they all get up there and they, what do you do? You're encouraging them because they want to experience it. They want to say yes. You know, and many times when I, I want to always make sure that the water's safe. So usually I send my kids up because they've already done it. Or I'll take Rudy Carmona, go jump off that cliff, make sure it's safe. You know? <laughs> So I'm I'm the good shepherd, okay? So your your kids are safe with me, you know? And then everybody's encouraging them and saying, listen, you got to do it. And there's always these testimonies saying, how did camp go? You know what? When I jumped into the river, when I jumped off that cliff, it wasn't about jumping off the cliff. It was me completing my complete hope and trust in the Lord. And God did something in me. I'm inviting you today to take that step. Take that step. Not just learning about this water, but receiving it. I don't want people to miss it. I don't want people to miss it. And I understand that we live in, especially living in a Western world, you know, we have, you know, we're kind of the people who want to solve problems. We think life can be understood. You know, we're told to trust the science, they say, right? You've heard that a lot you know when Galileo first discovered something many, many years ago? You know, Galileo, he he discovered the the, the thing of pendulums. He was like this kid, and he saw this thing of pendulums. And then 15 years later, this guy, Christian Huggins, he built a mechanical device that was able to actually measure time. It was called the pendulum clock. And because of that, you know, before people would just, they would The culture was, they didn't know when the sun was going to rise or going to set. And there was a culture just, it was all by the grace of God. They were dependent on what the Lord would bring them for harvest. But now man had discovered time. And because of that, they were able to look at the laws of nature and they were able to, instead of trusting in whatever the Lord did, they started imposing their will on the world. They built things like steam engines And because of that, there was a day they understood that time had been broken down to 86,400 pendulum seconds. Not only were steam engines built, but they were able to build TVs and automobiles and planes. The internet was born. And for thousands of years, we were subjected to the world. But now, after just a few centuries, man thinks he's imposing his will on us. You see, we live in a world that is committed to making your life comfortable. Making your life understandable. And I'm all for advancement, as long as that investment is actually directed by the Holy Spirit. And so often God will offend the mind. Because when we start doing our calculations without calculating the grace of God, we're in trouble. You're not living in the water. And I believe that God wants to do miraculous things through you, through His church. You know, I've served many, many years on this council, over here on this church, and I've seen God do some great miracles. And we know it's not because anything man has done, it's because what the Holy Spirit's going to do. So I'm going to invite you, church, to receive, to receive this living water and, and yield and be obedient. You know, I, 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 if you want, I'll bring a bunch of water bottles in here, you know, whatever it takes. But you be that one to say, yes, God, I, want to, I, I need to start living differently. I need to start thinking differently. I need to start relying on God and, and believing in Him. And so we're going to invite the worship team to come on up. And, you know, we're going to be um, taking communion. You know, and, and I, um, I'm grateful for communion because I believe in the context of what we're talking about, it's going to take a whole other dynamic of understanding. So, if we can, um, ushers, come on forward. We're gonna, we're gonna take communion because, um, you know, before Jesus was about to be um, betrayed, he didn't have one of these, by the way. Um, he was. They were celebrating Passover, and as. They're as they're sharing, passing out the communion, I just want to share with you about what took place. And they're celebrating when the angel of death came, talking about being uncomfortable. God told the people that listen, as the angel of death comes, I want you to take a lamb, I want you to sacrifice it. I want you to put the blood over your over your house. I mean, I don't know how many people would say, okay, I'm gonna go kill a lamb and put some blood on my house. Little uncomfortable, right? But, of course, the angel of death came, it passed over, and God set his people free. And so they would celebrate that. Every year they would go to the temple to celebrate what God had done. But this Passover was different. This Passover was different because Jesus, he, he took the bread. So if you can, as, you're, as you receive it, go ahead and open up and, and take the bread. And instead of being the body of a lamb that was slain, he said this. He says, This is my body. My body. My body, which will be broken for you. Now, I don't know how many people said, What is this guy? Is this cannibalism? What do you mean he's saying my body? I'm not sure how many volunteers would say, you know what, this man is claiming for us to eat his body. But yet, it was more of an understanding of what he would do, that it was prophesied that his body would be broken. It's his body that would be sacrificed for us. For us to receive. He was looking for someone who would say, who would believe who identify with his body being broken for you. So go ahead and take of the body. After he took the the bread, he took the cup, and he says, as often as you eat of this drip and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. Because he said, listen, this is not the blood of lambs that was slain. This is my blood that will be shed for you. It's because of the blood that we have forgiveness of sin. This is what was testified by Barnabas. This is what the people were believing on. I could imagine in Antioch they were having communion just like we were. They were putting their hope and their trust in the Lord. They were, they were actually believing it, that there's this river of life that can flow. And I believe for many of you that, in fact, I want all of us to, to bow our heads real quick before we take out the blood I'm doing something a little different. For some of you, you've been rejecting Christ. You haven't been believing in the blood of Jesus. In fact, communion is really a testimony of understanding that it's because of his blood that was shed that you could have forgiveness of sin. And maybe you've been prideful. Maybe you believe you're too far gone. There's nothing you can do that God can't forgive you. Maybe you haven't been putting your trust in the Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand. Anybody here that wants to believe that, I believe that Jesus did die on the cross for my sin? That he conquered grace. Thank you, Lord, for these. Thank you, Lord, for these. I believe, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yeah, you can put your hands up. I'm barely on my left hand, okay? So I'm on I'm the middle of the room here. So don't put your hands down. I want to acknowledge anybody else. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord, for these who are saying yes to the Lord. Anybody else? I'm moving to the right. Anybody else? Church, let's say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I thank you for coming for dying on that cross for my sin. I put my hope and trust in you. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I yield to your direction and guiding it in my life. Holy Spirit, move in me and through me. And I thank you, Jesus. That it's all because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Receive and drink. I want to. Um, I caught an audible for the for the, the worship team because remember I said how we're done talking about the water. I want to invite you today. To, to let the Holy Spirit move in your life. So, if, if that's your heart, can we just stand as we close? We're going to close. And for some of us, this might be a little bit uncomfortable. And part of, maybe um, you've been to church. I remember when I first came to church, I came to church like this one that would raise their hands. I felt a little uncomfortable. I go, where are these people doing? They're all worshiping, raising their hands. I had no problem raising my hands at a, at a baseball game. You know, if I was going to a concert, yeah, you know, no problem. You know, favorite rap song, Vanilla Ice. I'm on it. I'm singing. I'm dancing. But I lived in a culture you didn't do that in church. It's time for us to lift our hands. To express ourselves, to be enveloped by the Holy Spirit, to yield. And so maybe I remember the first time I kind of did this thing, you know, and, I'm, and then, I, then I did this one, you know, and then I did the one-hander, right? Part of surrender, that's what it is, is your, the Bible talks about lifting up holy hands and complete surrender. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to fall. His wind is flowing. The rivers of life are here. That vision of Pastor Carol, I believe that as we pray, the heavens, the world to be shaken. The church you've called to transform the world. But it's not going to be by your power. That water is only by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to invite you to release, to extend your hands. And let's pray. Father, I pray that you would, Lord, that you would baptize us in your Holy Spirit that we would prophesy, that we would speak in new tongues, that you would move in our lives. where we see, Lord, what you're doing, bringing prodigals home. Lord, I come against, Lord, the agenda of man. Lord, we come against it in Jesus' name. And when we pray for your Holy Spirit to fall, that these rivers would be transformed cities and communities. Use us, God, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen, let's worship him. You. The- water water will always find its lowest point you know before we I kind of stage this, by the way there's no cords underneath the stage I warned the facilities team about where this water is gonna flow but can I tell you that it's in the lowliest places that God does his greatest work and we're gonna be inviting the worship I mean the prayer teams to come forward at this moment Don't leave here. Don't leave here. Identifying with someone in prayer and believing that whatever is dead, God will make alive. Amen? I believe that there's promises being wakened. There's salvation coming to this house. And yet we have plenty of time. You don't need to rush out of here. We're done. But I want you to come forward. Come forward and let the Holy Spirit continue its good work in you. Amen? He who began a good work in you will finish it. And for the rest of us, take this water wherever you go. God bless you.